It's episode 37. On the pod today, we've got Sarah Sal. Sarah has run ads for companies like Stratgazers and ClickFunnels and worked for companies like AdExpresso and Hootsuite. She's generated six-figure sums from Facebook advertising. We talk about ad fatigue, interruption marketing, creating copy that converts, testing ads, finding out if relevancy scores are really that important, and challenging how good Facebook targeting really is. In fact, Sarah's big point, if you think of them as an ad, you lose before you start. Please enjoy the episode and thanks for being a fab listener. Support me by subscribing and telling your friends. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hello and welcome. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. I'm good. I just have a small, tiny cup of matcha, so I'm okay for energy. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on YouTube. We're live in Facebook. Uh, I've got Sarah Sal with me, which I'm very excited. You're uh, you're in Cyprus right now, aren't you? Nice. You've got the aircon on. It's so hot. Yes. It's freezing where I am. It's, it's, it's burning it's, hot where I am. Is it really? Yes. It's very cold in the UK. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Facebook advertising. Uh, the We've got the beauty that you have worked at some amazing with, with some amazing brands. Uh, you also uh, work with AdExpresso and Hootsuite. Uh, but you've worked with, if we were to name some, uh, Agrippa, uh AgriPulse, uh, Adweek, Bizmetric, Blizzmetrics, Copy Hackers, uh, and uh, ClickFunnels, lots more. Um, in fact, um, you are able to generate six figures from Facebook advertising campaigns. How long have you been doing this, Sarah? Um, for 10 years. If I could mention something, Adweek, I wrote for them. I didn't work for them. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but, I worked f- um, but I did some work for ClickFunnels. Uh, so some of them, it's both, and some of them, I only uh, wrote article for them. But, all, but this is, this is uh, how to, when, when you've written the content, it, I, I assume it's either how to win at Facebook advertising or it's just writing content that converts. No, content that convert regarding Facebook advertising. Yeah, 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 cool. Uh, So if you are listening or if you're watching and you've got uh, questions for Sarah, please do ask at any time. Um, And ultimately, this is about how to win at Facebook advertising, how to really um, uh, create a a really strategic campaign that's going to convert. Um, So... One of the things that I'm really interested in, though, is your background was not marketing at all. Uh, you did a computer science degree. Is that right? Um, let me go back to high school. It was the last year of high school. I was studying physics. The French teacher come over my head with a very disapproving look. <sighs> Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. French is more important than physics and mathematics. <laughs> and it took a lot of self-control not to reply. 
Of course, the light over our head work and the electricity work on the principle of French grammar, not mathematics. But then I just smiled and said nothing. I mean, I was really bad at grammar, punctuation, spelling, etc. but really good at mathematics. So when I finished high school, I was like, oh, I'm going to do computer science. I'm going to study applied mathematics. Nobody is going to criticize my spelling and grammar. And then over the year, slowly I got into marketing because I think it was 10 years ago, maybe 13 years ago, Facebook released their Facebook API. And back then I was a web developer. I'm like, hmm, maybe I want to explore that, see how it works. And before you know it, one thing leads to the other because you cannot talk about Facebook app without talking about marketing. And I just accidentally happened to making a career um, shift because of and, that. And, and how did you go, you know, I mean, writing copy is not easy. And in fact, one of the things that you talk a lot about is it's all about the copy that, that it's all about the content and it's all about the content that converts. How, how have you been able to, is it, is it just come naturally for you or have you had to, how have you learned to write really great converting copy? I used to have clients and I would look at their copy. I didn't think of myself as a marketer. I thought of myself as a user. Would I like that copy? And I thought, not really. So I would ask the client, can you give me whatever book, PDF, webinar, video, blog post you wrote? And I used to read them. And each time I have an aha moment that's interesting, I would write it down. And I would use, or even I would interview the client, interview their client and use storytelling. And before I knew it, I'm like, oh, okay, I cut the cost per conversion by 300%. Uh, and I started writing case study in that regard. And it turned out, actually, writing good quality, you need good inspiration. So it's nearly 90% reading, 90% listening, only 10% assembling. You're not writing copy, you're assembling copy. And what they don't teach you at school, they teach you to write poetry. But the problem, if you read poetry, it doesn't convert. It's nice. It's artistic, but people are not reading poetry and say, "Oh, I get it." You see, they're like they're using fancy words. I don't understand. So, yeah, that's what I yeah. didn't learn at school, and I had to learn by myself. In fact, I've heard someone talking recently around uh, the if we if we use too much content, too much uh, copy, then we have our head is having to process far too many calories to try and figure out what the actual message is and what the actual you know what's in it for me um yeah. and so so it's about trying to as you say it's about trying to find content that someone can relate to very quickly and easily uh, we do have a, a live question as i said if you're uh, listening you're on the podcast we'll uh, put some details in the show notes if you're watching it's great to have you here live um and if you if you're watching this afterwards please do do mention that uh, in the uh, in the chat so that we knew that you watched it afterwards but if you're live please do ask questions vlad uh, Vladislav uh, is asking a question to Sarah. In your opinion, what is the best resource to learn about Facebook ads? Uh, of course, Sarah, I'm assuming that's uh, uh, ignoring that you offer coaching uh, and we could come directly to you for coaching. Uh, but where else would you suggest uh, a resource for Facebook ads? I would tell people to forget they're doing Facebook ads because Facebook ad is interruption marketing. Facebook ad is as good as your content. So learn copyright writing learn how to write 
email that convert, landing pages that convert, sale pages that convert, learn how to do user survey to know what are the thoughts that are in their head, then the Facebook marketing, it's easy. The hard part is having the whole content machine that make people say, wow, they got into my head. Um, so I, I would, it's nearly like, I mean, I had a few clients or a few potential clients um, non say, hey, can we hire you? And I tend to say no, because I ask them, I look at their blog, at their blog post, they have maybe 20, 30 blog posts. I say, did any of that blog post generate traffic, clients, lead? They say, no, I'm paying somebody $100 per week. And I told her to write two blog posts and none of it converted. And I'm like, come later. It's like somebody who says, Sarah, take me mountain climbing and there may be 200 kilo overweight. Uh, I'm like, lose some weight, build upper body strength, bite. don't come to me in a bathrobe and a flip-flop, wear the correct gears. <laughs> and then and then you could do mountain climbing. It's like, so it's everything that comes before the mountain climbing that is important. I love the analogy. Really, really clever and really good. And in fact, you prefer working with people that already have content that converts that 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 where they can demonstrate that they've got that conversion. We're going to be talking about ad fatigue. Ad fatigue. We're also going to be talking about interruption marketing. Uh, we might get into some of the the KPIs on Facebook, uh, things like uh, relevancy scores. We might talk about landing pages, split testing, remarketing. You name it. We we may well. Come Cover all of those topics. Um, but for now, I just want to go just keep drilling on this content. So, so just talk to me about some of the success stories that you've had in the past. I know that you've worked with some big brands and some uh some big clients. What's been what what have you learned? What's what have you learned to, along the way? When you talk about this content that converts, just help me understand what that exactly means. What does a really good Facebook advert look like and and read? Not like an advert. Um, one of my clients that I help is Strategizer. Um, they used to spend $4,000 on Facebook and make 40 cent or make 2000 back because they have like the ultra um, expensive conference where executive from BMW, Air France, et cetera, go. But if you spend 4000 make 2000 back, or you spend 4400 and make 2000 back, you're losing money. And I moved them to make an $18 for each $1 they spend on ad. But in the beginning, when they looked at the ad I wrote, they're like, oh, for God's sake, Sarah, what's that ad? We're not spending money on this because it looked like content offering advice. And they're like, we're not paying money to offer advice, but because the ad didn't look like an ad, it performed well. I mean, actually 30% of Facebook users have um, ad blocker. It means they don't look like ads. So basically you want to give them value, have them, oh my God, I'm really glad I read that ad because I learned something I did not learn before. And the ad demonstrated that that person is an expert. And by an expert, he's not saying, hey, I made $500 million. Um, now this is a client that used to eat from the dumpster and now eat caviar every day. No, you want people to re... I tell people, imagine somebody gave you money. You're offering genuine advice. What would it look like? Turn that into an ad. And I think I may have seen some of those on Facebook and and where there hasn't been a very clear call to action in terms of... Um, what they're trying to sell. Do, is, the, is, is there a danger there that the user becomes so engaged with the post, 
gets the free resource or gets the, the the free whatever, but is never actually taken to where they're trying to sell. And are you just hoping that that user then joins that gap themselves? No, not really, because there is a call to action in the ad copy that closes the gap. What we try to avoid is what marketers do is asking for marriage on the first day or walking to a stranger in a coffee shop and slapping on their head and say, hey, would you want to marry me? We tell them, no, dine the person, wine the person, good to know them, know what they like. Make sure there is a fit between both of you. Don't try to marry somebody there is not a fit. And then if you've been dating for a while, ask for marriage. But in the ad copy, I give you an example. Um, one of my first ads for Strategizer was last year, there is a hundred oil company that went bankrupt, not Dong Energy from Denmark that went to the stock market with 16 billion valuation. What did they do right? They invested in alternative energy when oil prices was high. Want to know how similar company uh, reinvent themselves, come to our conference. But asking for the marriage is only after you gave value and you link the call to action with everything that is above. Yeah, that makes sense. You build the desire first. You build the desire before, because if you ask for the conversation before you build the desire, they say, I don't want that. So you build the desire first. Uh, a lot of people, what, what are the common mistakes clients are making when it comes to Facebook ads? I know one of the things that you mentioned to me, we had a quick chat earlier, and one of the things that you mentioned to me is a lot of clients are focused on on the targeting being the issue. What are the, uh, and we'll go into that, but what are the other things that uh, are often the the big mistakes that, that clients make on Facebook or, or, or on, you know, on inter, uh, interruption marketing? I tell people to forget is Facebook marketing. I tell them to forget even Facebook exists. I tell, imagine somebody in a coffee shop um, having matcha or coffee. Would you tell them face to face what you wrote in an ad? If not, why would you say it is an ad? It's more, even more effective. Imagine you're in Costa Coffee or Starbucks and somebody say, I'm in Manchester, I just arrived today and I'm struggling to find vegan food. If now you interrupt them and say, hey, the Thai shop that is five minutes from here, they have amazing curry and amazing raw vegan cake. Would they pay attention to you? They would because you listen to them first. So I just tell people you're interrupting people in a coffee shop. Um, imagine your ad doing the same thing. And suddenly um, it become um, more natural. So so what are the so so the mistakes that what you're saying then is the is the majority of mistakes clients are making is they're treating it like an ad. Exactly. Simple as that. Yeah, they're entering to Starbucks and screaming, let me ask you a question. Is your boss a bitch you hate? And maybe people say, yes, I hate my boss, but I have no reason to believe you're the one who is going to save me from my boss. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> so so how do we go about, I mean, you know, we're, when we uh, set up a campaign, there's lots of different objectives that we can pick when it comes to Facebook. Uh, I often find myself lost with with deciding on the best objective to go for. Have you got any tips or advice on how to choose an objective? Conversion. Um, there are big brands like Coca-Cola, Starbucks. They go for awareness, but they have the advantage. You see the, the ad, you did absolutely nothing. If the ad increase the conversion by 0.1%. Once you go to a shop and you see there is a Coca-Cola, you go to a, a restaurant and they offer Coca-Cola, they made their money back. If you're a business that need 
other people see the ad, they buy or not, they give you the email or not, they start the relationship or not, I would say the objective is conversion because Facebook have data about what the user do and not and uh, leave branding for the big brand who have the advantage of being both in the online and offline and everywhere. Do, do you think there's uh, much uh, credibility in using the uh, lead gen forms on Facebook? Is, do, you, do you find that they work better or is it or, or sending people to landing pages? Does, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what the, the client is and, and the offer. But I'm just curious on your thoughts about the lead gen forms on Facebook. Often people ask me, does video work better than image? Does lookalike work better than interest targeting? Um, same thing for the lead form. And I say... Um, mustard or caramel sauce. You cannot try adding caramel sauce to your hot dog, try to add mustard to your morning cereal. Um, you need to have context and it's a question of testing. Um, lead form, let's say um, a pizza shop really known, I say get a free drink or get five pound off. It's easy, you click, you know what it is. Now let's say I'm a doctor trying to convince you that depression comes from not eating enough probiotic and to throw the product out the window, just having a lead form with no information doesn't doesn't work. Maybe you want a long copy where you say, hey, did you know people in Nigeria are less depressed in the United States, nothing to do with money in the United States or UK, they eat processed food. In Nigeria, their food is full of probiotics. Um, now, what I tell people, never, never, ever, ever for lead form, say, I got a conversion for this cost and I got another conversion for that other cost with sending a landing page look at something, do people open their email? Do they click after they open it? Do people buy? Do they jump on a phone call with your sale team? Try to have a measure of success different than the first interaction because some experiment I heard via colleague on Ad Espresso is the cost was way less on the lead form, but people were not opening their email. They were just opening their email to unsubscribe. So if you said, oh, I pay $2 here per lead, here I pay 0 0.8, yes, you're paying 0 0.8 for a lot of accidental click who are not even never reading your email. And if they read, never read your email, they're not going to buy what you're trying to sell them via email marketing. Another question here about, because you were saying that it's all about listening to your clients and then turning that, and 90% of it's about listening and reading. Um, yeah. The question is, any specific advice on how to listen to clients and where where should we really focus our attention? I mean, I was I was, I was was listening to a podcast only the other day about active listening, uh, so I don't know if uh, uh, that's something that you, you would talk about, but is there any tips on, on, on how to extract the right stuff from a client? For any business with client, I would say talk to your own client, jump on a call like here, maybe you spend one hour and you really question them because those are people who already gave you money. I give you an example. I run some ad for a copywriting course for the Copywriter Club and I think I interviewed maybe eight people, each people between half an hour and one hour. And it's really asking question, okay, your website convert better. I'm, I'm military interrogating you. I don't have the money to buy the course, but after the end of the call, I want to get all the value of the course while being a sheep pastor, if I could use that language. So I say, okay, show me your website. What is the old website? What is the new website? Okay, the new website, you described your process. You mentioned that people are missing revenue, that you use data to uncover the missing revenue. You say 
who you helped increase the ROI by 300% and, and so on. And I turned that into the ad, but it's really the best way of listening is having a deep conversation because survey, people are going to say, that person is great, but great doesn't cut it because I could go to Fiverr, actually I can pay $20 and have people record a video saying, I don't know, my boiled pizza is better than Italian pizza because I pay them, right? And people would look at that person and say, why should I trust them? But getting really deep knowing that they mixed, I don't know, I'm going to make up example, mango instead of pineapple and a pizza made it more flavorful. Okay, I know Italian now are going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> is, is, is you really want to dig really deep into listening and not just the surface. Yeah, yeah. You talked about 30% of people have ad blockers. You've also, uh, I think you were mentioning that there's a stat that only 4%, four, 4%, four four uh, agree to Facebook allowing... Um, ads based on their content is that is that just tell me more about that so apple in their new ios said facebook cannot track your search history your picture your financial data without asking permission it's one way for apple to differ differentiate yourself and if you think there was a while where you've seen 20 friend posts on their wall me x declare that mark zuckerberg doesn't have the right to sell or rent my data and they thought this is legally bending because somebody said it is well it's not but that tell me about how people are preoccupied about their privacy and i mean facebook is telling people um you're I not going to see relevant ad i saw a lot of those posts Exactly. And people are like, <laughs> Facebook, your ad were never relevant. I mean, let me give you an example. I'm vegan. Anyone who's my friend on Facebook, nonstop see picture of vegan food, vegan places, uh, Thai, Thai vegan festival in Bangkok, Phuket, etc. And Facebook show me ad for steaks and ham and etc. And basically Facebook is like, if you give me the money to advertise to, to Sarah, why not? I even get ad for Bitcoin scam. And sometimes I like to understand the psychology. So I would register using fake email, fake phone numbers, etc. And those are websites that says, oh, you could invest in Bitcoin, transfer to us the Bitcoin you bought. And before you know it, you made a donation to them for $5,000 a pound. But if your margin are $5,000, you don't care that you got me for 100 or 50 pound. The, the cashew vegan cheese that I buy for eight pound and they still need to send the cheese to me to make and manufacture the cheese. If it costs them more than three pound to acquire me, they're losing money, right? So yeah. what, de what determine what ad you see is ad budget. And if Coca-Cola has $1 billion ad budget, you're going to see more of Coca-Cola than you're going to see of relevant ads. So people are like, thank you very much, Mark. We're not going to let you track us. But so, so just talking about relevancy, though, because that's one certainly one of the things that you should keep an eye on. What's is there a is there a uh, an optimum uh, relevancy score to have uh, on a Facebook ad? I would say if you're spending one dollar, making more than one dollar back, that would matter. Conversion matter because if I have super relevant ads that are losing money, why run it? But there is a relevancy score on Facebook, which is the engagement the ad get how well the ad convert based competitor in the same niche and this is where having really good ad copy that doesn't look like an ad that give content 
worked really well because I had some ads with 1,600 comments and even one person would leave a comment and it got like 20 nest or 60 nested uh, comment um, help. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's like people saying, oh, the CTR, the CPC, the X matter. No, it's for your own business, based on your own business goal. Are you achieving something that help you make more money than you're spending? Then continue spending. That's what matters. But if you're getting uh, $2 back on spending $1 and you've got a low relevancy score, if you were to increase that relevancy score, do you then end up getting more for your money on Facebook? App probably Facebook? probably because your CPM might become cheaper and yep. you might reach more people. Yep. And this is important if you have a niche market, let's say you're targeting orthodontist or cosmetic surgeon and telling Facebook, hey, help me show the ad to more people. It's one way to make uh, more money. So it's really important. It, we we stepped into iOS 14 there. So, so um, just going back to that, mm. is Facebook advertising dead then with iOS 14 coming on board? No, because I ran ad before iOS 14, before the Pixel was a thing, before even mobile um, was a thing. You just need to use different tactics. Maybe Facebook will be rich, less rich. Maybe Mark Zuckerberg will be worth 10 billion instead of 40 billion. Who knows? But if you have 2 billion users, you still have 2 billion users at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and and in fact, uh, what you also talk about is if it's not Facebook, it'll be another platform one day. And this is purely about interruption marketing. And and in, just 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 talk to me more about in, interruption marketing because this is this is nothing new. It's been here for decades. Imagine you again. It's back to the coffee shop uh, conversation. What could you say other than listening? that will get people to turn um, head. Let's, let's say you're in the Silicon Valley and everybody's like, I'm pitching to investor, screaming at everyone in their face. Hey, do you want to raise money from venture capitalists? We'll do absolutely nothing. But saying, hey, I had a meeting with this investor before I pitched them. I knew they worked at Expedia or hotels.com. So in the pitch, I said, oh, you happen to have experience in niche X, Y, Z, when everybody just ran a business plan in their face, and this is how I got the meeting. You think other people who want to raise money from venture capitalists are not going to listen, to put their book down or their phone down and say, yeah, that's what, that's interruption marketing. It's back to the coffee shop. Yeah. And, 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 and as I said, the point you're making is that it's the same principles whatever the next platform is so it's again, like linkedin it's like yeah. it's, it's like linkedin i mean some people don't run ads but i had people tell me oh hey you're a doctor we could help doctor you have people who say oh for people who have a brewery i never worked in that business and it's just people who automate everything they automate sending the friend request they automate the pitch and so on and it's like, just get to know me. Just Google my name. Just see what I wrote as a blog post. It's way more effective than just um, copy-paste the same message on a massive scale to 500 people. Yeah. I, I want to tap a bit more back into uh, targeting. So um, there's there's so many different ways of targeting or so many, so many, so many, 
data points on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm thinking of a, an example. Maybe you're targeting uh, mumpreneurs who mm. uh, are working from home, setting up a business. So, so of course, you can find mothers on Facebook in a particular location with a particular sort of demographic and age of children. How how do you then go about trying to find if they're opening a business? How how could we use targeting better? You really don't know. Um, think about Google. Somebody's typing a very specific keyword, looking for lawyers or solicitor or accountant for opening a business. What you do on Facebook doesn't tell me if you want to open a business or not. You might have already opened it five months ago. Maybe you're just dreaming. Maybe you have a lot of money. Yes, you could target things like Harvard Business Review, Entrepreneur Magazine, and so on. Yes, if you target medical niche, you could target American and British and Australian Chiropractor Association. But it's hardly about the targeting marketer and even Facebook love to bullshit by saying it's laser targeting when it's not. Even people from who used to be the manager of data targeting on Facebook, Antonio Martinez, wrote a book called Shower's Monkey and said, we have a lot of data, but it's bad data and it's very difficult to make sense. It's nearly like giving you 100 ingredients and telling you, make me some delicious food. But among the 100 ingredients, there is a mobile phone, there is hand sanitizer, there are things, <laughs> there is fertilizer. And maybe in, in the bunch, there is an apple and a steak and some tofu. And it's, it's not laser targeting. You basically um, need to be good at creating the desire. People say, how do I find X? And it's like, so how do you build the desire for X, basically? So if you have, you know, this huge target audience because you can't go too targeted it's mm -hmm. then about just making sure you've got the right message the right content exactly. to convert even though you're converting even though that that will only have a relevancy for a small proportion of that audience it would always be that the the ones that but but where there is a relevancy there'll be a high conversion so that's the way to think about it is that right yeah yeah, you're building also your own audiences along the way. So you'd have people who visited your website, people who are on your email list, people who engaged with your post. And the longer you're successful, you're basically it's like a snowball that is getting bigger and bigger, and you could just continue um, to target them. But what I tell people, people are so obsessed about targets. Imagine I'm London Tourism Board. I would not say party 24-7, then party every day, then party till 5 in the morning, and maybe the person seeing the ad is in a wheelchair. Instead, I would say, we have restaurants from 50 nationality, we have 500 museum, we have the best shopping, we have a really nice architecture. And one, and just by mere testing, I would find one of those talking points is converting better than the other one just by testing, but before you're not going there finding your dream client that is a unicorn wearing wear socks and speaking Taiwanese and dancing salsa, this doesn't exist. <laughs> you're basically having a broad targeting and you're trying different message and you just find which one of those message is converting better and you write it um, as long as you can. So you talk a lot about testing. What mm. What's the best way to to is there a, a good formula on how to use the testing part of the platform? 
Yes and no. I see people go crazy. They say my ad. I mean, okay, I tell you a story. I, I run ad for a tax lawyer that helped people lower their taxes. And his ad were not working. And basically, he used picture of cleavage to the point that Facebook uh, nearly banned his ad account. And people think, hey, I have an image with a pink background. Let me put a blue background or let or men love cleavage, put them an image of cleavage. But just because you see in a picture of cleavage, you don't like, ooh, that person is really good at taxing. Um, it's a go, go back to the uh, messaging because yes, you could make a lot of testing, but you go crazy on the test instead of delivering the content. And one of the ad that did well is not like pay lower tax because I don't have reason to believe you. One of his tactic was everyone you owe money to in January, pay them in December. Nobody complain about getting money earlier. Everybody who owes you money in December, ask them to pay you in January. And I said, that's a legal way of lowering your tax. And now people were listening to him in his um, webinar. So you don't, you don't want to test small thing like, do you use an exclamation point or a question mark? Or do you use a blue background instead of a green? Do you start with a question or not a question? You want to really test the different content and by a content ta tax i mean maybe one problem with taxes is paying lower taxes the other one you don't want to spend 50 hour per month uh, planning everything the other one you want to cover your ass in case you have an audit maybe the fourth one is there might be a lot of maybe you're doing business in 50 country and you're wondering how to simplify sale taxes wherever there is sale taxes it's basically you're testing different topic you're not testing the it's nearly like somebody want doesn't want a pizza you offer them an olive pizza you remove the olive and you give them a sardine it's not the same as saying oh i have vegan food i have thai food i have indian i have british food and so on so, so when i'm doing testing is there a for example should i should i if i was going to do uh, an ad set should there always be a minimum of two ads within that ad set or is, it, or is it three ads? What, do you have a formula like that, for example? Myself, that's my way of working. It's not right or wrong because you could do a curry with two for the same way, way you could do it with chickpeas. I like to have one ad set, one ad, because then I'm, facing, I'm forcing Facebook to test all the different ad copy I have. When I have two ads or three ads or five ads in the same ad set, then Facebook randomly will give most of the budget to one over the other. And I'm basically telling Facebook, no, 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 no. I'm okay, both of them spending $5 per day and I'll be the judge based on the result. But that means so, when I say it's the way I work, it means I need to pause them. I need to look at them and I need, based on the data, pause them. So there is less automation. So, so you you'd run them at the same time, two different ad sets at the same time yeah, with the same yeah. audience, but yeah. to the same target audience. Yeah. So are you not competing with each other? Yes and no, because some of the audiences are really big. And okay. Facebook does have a mechanism not to show your ad at the same time to too many people. And one of them is going to be a winner. If think about it like, I had to say it like that. Think about it of having two kids. You could only keep one of them and you tell them fight each other. And then the one who wins said, okay, you're my kid and the other one you give to adoption. I mean, okay, that's like the worst example ever, but um, I don't keep them running forever. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just let them fight. And then I pick the winner as my kid and the other one go be adopted yeah, so, by somebody else so, so my concern was you would push the budget up on each of them but actually what you're saying is that that's a small part 
in exactly in, and i start always i always i never go here it's 500 dollar per day and facebook really trick you when you make a campaign and you don't even pay to the bank you're like oh did i put 500 no they put it by default uh, to trick you so, i start low i find a winner give the winner more budget and the loser i pause you see so so are you ever testing um audience uh targeting or location yeah. or are you always testing content no i test I, I test also the targeting i also test okay. the targeting because some of them might might convert better than the other yeah. it, it's just when i say targeting doesn't matter doesn't mean i target the whole country yeah, i never yeah, yeah. think about <clears throat> i mean there are niches i don't know where i really spend a lot of time trying to find the targeting it's just that i don't always blame the targeting when things doesn't work and and so also what I'm hearing is that you would much rather go for a, a wider audience than a niche, unless, for example, you were only trying to target orthodontists. For example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what about um, – I'm curious on landing pages because um, I'm guessing that a lot of clients don't even consider having a really good landing page. So is that is that a big part of what you Super do? Is, yeah. I don't do the landing page. I mean, okay, I did it in a few cases, well, but I'm not strategy, an expert I mean. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sense, the same way I started writing ad copy, sometimes I had landing pages that I rewrote because the old one was not working, but I'm not an expert on landing pages. But landing page, if you're running ad, are super important because the ad create the interest, create the curiosity, but then you cannot have an ad that build the desire and the ad and the landing page or sale page doesn't continue the journey. Yeah. And and yeah, that's what I was tapping into that I'm confident you must see so many clients that don't consider the landing page and that's probably you know just as it's just as important uh, and you know what's the point of creating as you said that desire uh, when they're not going to then convert um so so yeah i can understand that and i assume what any thoughts on uh, remarketing good bad works super important super important super important i always tell people go over the low hanging fruit and somebody who visited your website engage with you is in your email list is way more likely to convert than somebody who never heard of you. And often when I have new client, I look, is there any remarketing win that could generate revenue, which means that revenue could be invested into cold audiences instead of the marketing coming out of uh, pocket. Because think about it, remarketing would convert really, really well often, really high ROI, but the volume would be low or the audience size would be low. So you need to expand that remarketing um, audience. So if you have a, remarket a website visitor, I don't know, 10,000 or you have 5,000 people on your email list, you want to have 50,000 instead of 5,000. So it's, it's really about expanding your remarketing because marketing is about having mul multiple touch points before somebody is convinced that they want to buy something. Where's, where's all this going? Is are we going to see more budget going towards advertising in the future? Are we where you know? Uh, and any thoughts on the future of of interruption marketing? I don't know. I mean, people ask me, "What are you having for dinner?" I'm like, or what are, <laughs> no, people ask me, "What are you doing for tomorrow?" I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing for uh, lunch or dinner. I just react to what's over there and I think how to better engage with it and have the best. But I mean, interruption marketing will always exist. 
Maybe Facebook will exist, maybe it wouldn't exist. Maybe Facebook will be the new MySpace, maybe not. I have new ID, I have absolutely no ID, but I want to use skills that, independent of what is the future that I cannot predict, that are still useful. The, uh, just my final question on uh, one of the things that I'm seeing more and more is lifestyle imagery being used in ads. Um, I am I right to assume that that's a, a technique that that is that that works better because again it's sort of just more of a, a conversation than a uh, come and buy from me. What is a lifestyle imagery? So what you're seeing just a picture of a person uh, yeah. instead of sort of a setup. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more, I, I, people tend to buy from people, and when people go and buy some perfectly designed stock photo, chances. 500 of their competitors are using the same photo. Well, if you're the expert in making, I don't know, British pizza, there is some value in having your image and every ad having your image. It might not be perfect. Maybe you had bad sleep. Maybe you have a black eye. It's still you. You are still the expert. You are human, and human are not perfect. Yeah, and, and you're right. People buy from people, and that's a way of uh, driving trust uh, and uh, and showing personality as well. Um, I, I've heard you loud and clear. This is around great content. It's around content that converts. It's don't ask for marriage on the first date uh, is what you're saying, uh, which a lot of marketers uh, make that mistake of. Um, and um, yeah, really fascinating. Sarah, if uh, if people are listening right now and they maybe want to take a step up on their Facebook advertising, maybe they've got sort of, uh, you know, two or three thousand US dollars to spend a month and, and they're looking for someone to, that can really make it work a lot better, uh, or maybe they're looking for a coaching session from you, Where's, what's the best place to find you? And my website, it's sarah-sal.com. And which platform do you hang out on the most social media platform? Facebook and LinkedIn. <laughs> it would have to be Facebook, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> it's it's been absolutely delightful. Uh, you've given some amazing tips and tricks, and um, and really, I think just helped us all focus on listening to what the customer wants, uh, yeah. and um, and and testing the topics, not test not not spending so much time testing the nitty-gritty and the the things that don't matter quite as much it's been really good thanks so much sarah Um, if you if you've enjoyed this please do subscribe uh, and uh, look out for future uh, podcasts and live q a's but for now that's a goodbye from me thanks sarah we'll see you soon okay thank you bye take care been listening to the johnny ross audio experience thanks so much for joining me if you want to continue the conversation head over to my website fleek.marketing or find me on linkedin that's all for today please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts tag me in your social media posts and please leave me a review on itunes it will make a huge difference for me i will see you soon